Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. it was the biggest game of the year and it was the most important game of the year on the schedule and if you won everything was ahead of you you were in the driver's seat in the american and ucf did just that they took care of business they pretty much dominated the entire game we'll talk about the couple times that you know the cardiac knights came out and gave us fans a little bit of uh some you know the scaries a, a case of the scaries a little bit but all in all, 38-31 on the road. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Charge On. As always, I am your host, Sean Green. And Nick, what a big win. I mean, it felt like a UCF home game listening on you know the TV. I, we said, we talked to Brandon Helwig. He said the UCF fans were going to travel. They did. And UCF, I mean, they made their mistakes, and that kind of kept this game close, but you got to admit, they dominated. It felt like that Cincy game where UCF, you always just felt like they had a hand on Tulane's throat the entire game. Yeah, I mean, you can't really complain with a win at this point in the in, in the season. I mean, it's really not about style points. We know that UCF controls their own destiny, and here they go, back-to-back games on the road. Tough environment last week against Memphis to get that win, and now you come into Tulane, and I was going to say tough environment, but I got to tell you what, I wasn't I wasn't exactly impressed with what Tulane had to offer. Um, it looked like a soccer stadium, honestly. It looked like a glorified little soccer stadium. There uh, it was not full. I know that it didn't look like it was a nice day in New Orleans, uh, a little chilly, so I'll give you that. But I heard UCF fans routing about right away. I mean, the first boomer field goal, you heard the boom right away. And then you heard the UCF champ breakout if he scored the first score, so... Yeah, at times, this was a great performance. I, I tweeted it out the first 22 minutes. They had 311 yards of offense, and they had the ball for 17 minutes of that time. I mean, it's just outrageous stuff. But then you kind of look at the final score. You look at the final yardage. After that, and maybe maybe I just cursed them a little bit with that tweet. It's, it seemed like after that, they kind of had trouble then keeping that consistency on offense, and the defense started to lapse. But again, style points be damned. You take it, and you move on. 100%. And we'll get into all of that. There was the fans, you know, we can't say enough about the fans. They really showed out. Um, and I'm I'm sure that helped um, in some capacity, especially I think this, uh, the stadium capacity is 30,000 people and it was 27,000, like 500 uh, for stadium capacity. But yeah, it was definitely a small stadium and UCF fans kind of took over. But first, um, bet online our sponsor every week. Basketball's back, guys, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's college football, NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your rewards. Bet online, 
where the game starts. And as always, we want to thank Bet Online for their continued sponsorship of the Charge On podcast. Nick, the big question leading in. It was the big question for a full week of who was Gus going to put as the starting quarterback. Now, I said on our preview show that I, and I think it was pretty much what most UCF fans expected, right? It was, we want Mikey Keene, but you kind of had a feeling it was going to be John Rice Plumley. JRP was named the start at the beginning of the season. Nothing has changed to this point. It was just the fact that you saw Mikey win two games. But with that being said, Nick, this felt, and you know, we're going to give JRP his due. D- don't get me wrong. He flat out dominated this first half. He made the plays when he needed to. And at the end of the day, that's all you want out of the quarterback is just we won the game. And I think that was the underlying thing for this game especially. But this game especially was the JRP roller coaster experience that we have grown accustomed to. I mean, the highs and the lows, some idiotic plays, some really phenomenal plays where you're like, this is the guy that we've wanted our entire season. Um, Kind of just give your overall thoughts on his performance. I mean, rushing the ball obviously was huge. I mean, broke a UCF rushing record um, by a quarterback, I believe, uh, in the first half. I mean, but... 176 yards, two touchdowns. Just talk about his performance, especially on the ground today against the two-lane defense who, this season at least, has been great defending the run. Yeah, I mean, all it took for me was to see the first couple throws from JRP to know how UCF was going to have to win this game and it was going to have to run the ball. And, I mean, that's been a consistent theme when UCF's offense has kind of been humming is they've been running the football really well, and we saw that today, uh, running it 54 times, I think, Plumley through 30 times, I'm not mistaking. But I think you mentioned it. We saw the highs of Plumley and we saw the lows of Plumley. And I kind of give a lot of credit to Gus Malzahn here. I think what we've learned the last two or three games is Gus Malzahn can be very versatile when he wants to be. We know that the entire playbook, it kind of has to be cut in half, I guess you could say, when Mikey Keene's in there. Because there's a lot of things we saw today from John Rice Plumley that Mikey Keene just can't do. I mean, even on the first touchdown that Plumlee had where he ran all the way for 67 yards, even though there was green grass in front of him, Mikey Keene is not running on that play likely. And if he does, I doubt he's going all the way like that for for a touchdown. So that was a complete X factor. When they got inside the red zone at times, especially at the end there, uh, the score that gave him 31, that's a play also where is a JRP specialty. So in the run game, he was fantastic, but in the throwing game, and I think this is re- the reason why this game got close, Tulane started to adjust a little bit at one point. I mentioned it. I mean, they had UCF had 230-something rushing yards midway through the second quarter Okay, on Tulane. Eventually, they adjusted, and UCF had to throw a little bit more in that second half. And John Rice Plumley, he's off the mark at a lot of throws. He just was. He didn't look comfortable back there. He looked a little skittish. It just wasn't enough down the field. And then eventually the running game kind of stalled out a little bit and that allowed them to get back in it. So, but again, I go back to what Gus Malzahn, I mean, the fact that he was able to put Mikey Keene in there and you're able to beat Cincinnati doing it one way. You're able to go on the road against Memphis with Mikey Keene and doing it another way. And then you have your biggest game of the year against Tulane and you do it with JRP in a completely different way. 
I think it says a lot about the offense, honestly. I think it says a lot about Gus Malzahn and what he was able to do. So if you're going to ask me to put a grade on this performance for JRP, I give you a B plus. I give you a B plus. And I, and I know that I'm, I'm not fond of what I saw in the passing game, but at the end of the day, you went on the road against a top 17 team in the nation and you did enough to get a W. And you set an all-time rushing record by a UCF quarterback. And if that's what the offense is supposed to look like, which it is, then I'd say he did pretty well there. Yeah, I think that first half, honestly, is kind of the offense that we expected in a way. Like, those two big JRP runs. Now, we didn't think... the We said Tulane has had problems with mobile quarterbacks. That was kind of the thought process of, but listen even though we like Mike and we think Mikey should start, JRP's probably going to get the nod because of that X factor. With Mikey in, Gus's playbook gets cut in half. It, get, it gets cut in half. That was kind of what everybody was saying, and it's it's obvious. I mean, the problem if you're facing UCF, which is, is a credit to Gus Malzahn, like you said, and a credit to our offense, is you have to be on your P's and Q's when you're facing this offense. I mean, your eyes, and I think they were saying it on the broadcast, um, which was lackluster broadcast, we're not going to lie, but uh, your eyes need to be in the exact right place. Because if you're looking one moment to a running back, it, and then you know JRP takes off, or you think JRP's taking it and handing it off, there's so much motion, which makes it very difficult on a defense. When it's working and when it's humming, man, it is humming. But when it's not you see the struggles of the offense. And that's kind of what we've been saying, right? Like, give credit. UCF made the plays they needed to, and that's kind of been the story the last couple weeks, right? When they need the big plays, when they need the first downs, when they need to take time on the, off the clock, they've made those plays, Nick. I mean, that last drive to get to 38, taken off like eight, nine minutes of play clock, crucial drive, and they did that. But in that same vein, Tulane was putting up points, they were right there. I think that passing game needs to improve just a hair. And it even shows you, and the targets, dude. Like, Javon Baker had 10 targets. O'Keefe had 9 targets. Besides that, everybody had less than 3 targets. Like, Kobe Hudson had 2 targets. So, if I'm a defense, you you obviously have to defend the run. And that's kind of, if you're playing a UCF team and stop the run, and you're looking good. But then if they're passing... He, it's either going to Baker or O'Keefe. I mean, that's kind of what the JRP experience has been when it comes to those receivers. Yeah, against a solid opponent like this, if he's forced to pass, if there's a defense out there that's going to stop UCF's run, do I have confidence that JRP can do it? I'm not so sure. And you can go and look at all the other wins that he had and tell me, you can tell me about, oh, SMU is a quality opponent. Okay, maybe. I mean, SMU gave up, what, 55 points last week or whatever it was? I mean, I'm not going to act like their defense is quality. I mean, outside of that, I mean, Louisville has turned into one of the better teams we played this year, and he was god-awful against Louisville. So Mm -hmm. I I just – the offense – but again, this is what Gus Malzahn wants. There's a reason why you have JRP here. There's a reason why Castellanos is here. There's a reason why Timmy McClain is here. They are all the same style of quarterback. And another thing that you have to keep in mind, there's still a possibility, and I'd probably say it's still likely, and credit him for not going into it right now, there's still a big possibility that Mikey Keene goes into the portal after the end of the year. There's still a possibility it's because it's, it's probably going to happen. He wants to protect that red shirt. So if you look at it from that standpoint, 
I mean, it could be Gus saying, hey, we're, we know you don't want, we know you're probably going to leave at the end of the year. They've probably, maybe they've had this discussion already. Like, thank you for winning these games for us. We got you some time in there. Good showcase for you for the portal, by the way, to beat Cincinnati and Memphis. But now we're going to go with yeah. JRP. He's, he's our guy. Uh, you know, we're tied to the hip to him, whatever. We're going to go with him. We can run the offense that way. So that may very well be the reason why, honestly, why JRP is in there. But I mean, but there were tense moments. I mean, you saw the exchange there on the field. I think it was on a third down, and he made a really bad read. Plumley did, and then him and Gus kind of got into it. And yeah, in the screen, there you go. And with the decision, Gus did not like it, and you saw him go over to him. And Gus doesn't really get that mad on the sideline, but he did there at JRP, and that and that's coaching. That happens to everybody, but it just kind of shows you that there's going to be a lot of ups and downs still at this point in the season with the passing game. But you have to, as a UCF fan, just, you got, it just, it comes with this offense. It just comes with this offense. Yeah. yeah and I've seen that more than once with Gus and JRP this season and Gus, you can see gets visibly frustrated at some of the decisions he makes. But again, you, you said it, you take it for what it is because at the end of the day, it can be a 67-yard touchdown run, and you're like, oh, my gosh. Or it could be a three and out, no completions, and struggling to run the ball. So, I mean, running the ball has not been UCF's problem this year. I mean, if anything, UCF is now a running football team. There's no questions about that. But, I mean, the stats are absolutely insane. Like, 336 rushing. You had 230 of that in the first half. And I do want to mention this stat because – I think with John Rice, they did stop his rushing ability in the second half. I mean, he had, I think I did the math. I think it was 159 rushing yards in the first half, and he ended up having 176. So, and I I texted you at the the half, and I said like, okay, they're going to make the adjustment. JRP has beat them twice on big runs, and one was a touchdown. They're going to make the adjustment. It's going to be, can UCF respond? Now, they responded by running the football with the backs, which great you, but they, again, they made the plays they needed to. And that's, what's great. I mean, you, you got the big win and the offense looked great. Isaiah Bowser. Now we're going to give RJ Harvey his praise. He only had 12 carries today for 83 yards, which again, that's not, not amazing. Enough for we my liking, by the way, not enough. No, I, I'm going to be honest. I was not happy. There was moments. I will say that Bowser was in the game and I'm, I said, okay, it's third and one. I get it's Bowser, it's late in the game. And I do think, Nick, I think we've gotten to the point and you've seen it in the last three weeks. And I've, I'm starting to see like these teams, it's week, I don't even know what week we're in, right? Week 10. We're in week 10. Yep. All these teams are tired. You get to the fourth quarter of a game against UCF and you just, Isaiah Bowser's in there and it's four yards, four yards, first down. It is because these defenses just, you, battle with us the entire game and then we're still running the football effectively so i give bowser credit on that last drive i think we ran 16 plays and he was involved with 12 of them i mean that give credit where credit is due i mean again we make jokes it was 19 carries for 50 uh 54 yards 54 yards and two tutties which is not that many on average but most of those yards were in crucial spots at the end of the game nick and if you have to give a player of the game in the fourth quarter. I mean, he's a very important piece uh, to win this football game. Yeah, I mean, you sit, you hit it the nail on the head there. And we've been very critical of Isaiah Bowser. Not really, 
I wouldn't even say critical against him, just kind of the spots that he's been in there because we just want to see so much of R.J. Harvey. And we saw it in this game, right, where it's just he makes those cuts so just effortlessly. And it gains him like an extra yard here, an extra two or three there, where you don't get that with Isaiah Bowser. But to your point, in a game like that, where you had just been running it down their throat the entire game, you get in the fourth quarter, money drive. Let's see if we can take some clock, take some uh, some of the clock off. They did it against Memphis as well, by the way. This has been two weeks in a row. We're late in the game. It looks like Tulane has a chance to grab that momentum, right, and get themselves into it. And UCF makes enough plays in the last five minutes to take it away. So I think that honestly is one of the more encouraging things you saw. But yes, we got to give our praise to Isaiah Bowser. Obviously, the two touchdowns down there in the goal line, you take those. He just had a game where, yeah, you look at the box score and it's not fancy, but the box score doesn't always tell the story, folks. It does not always tell the story. He was a lot better than what that box score says and a big part of UCF running for over 350 yards of, of offense. Yeah, and I think when you look, like you said, the box score doesn't say it all. And I think time of possession was huge for UCF, 35 to 24 in minutes of time of possession. Both these teams are top 30 teams in time of possession, and that was one of the things I was worried about was Tulane kind of keeping the ball away from UCF. But, I mean, again, we'll see. This offense, It's it, it's, I think at this point, and I think you could take a lot from the last three weeks, Nick. It will be so beneficial, especially for a conference title game, for a potential whatever bowl game you're in. The last three weeks, UCF has had to come up in the fourth quarter and make significant drives to either close out the game or win the game. They've done against Cincy, Memphis, and now Tulane. Two of those teams are ranked. It's very impressive, and it's going to come up. I mean, when you're in the conference title game, you're probably seeing Tulane or Cincy again. And these teams know how you play. They, they've they already played you once before. You're going to have to come back, and it's going to be the fourth quarter. It's always going to come down to the fourth quarter with these teams especially. So I think having these games kind of happen the way they have happened is only going to help UCF in the long run. And I think having JRP in there for this one is going to give him that experience, especially since Mikey was the quarterback for those two games last couple weeks. Um, let's talk defense, all right? Offense, we give praise. We can talk offense for hours. But this defense, listen, I get it. End of the game, there was a struggle. No question about it. Uh, but I saw a lot of people online. And, and again, maybe I just shouldn't look online too much because there's always this fun stuff. But three defensive starters were out. Probably three of your, and not just starters, three of, probably you could make arguments of your best defensive players. Your two starting safeties, one of your starting linebackers. I mean, here's the thing. I think 31, now we didn't say it was going to, people were saying, oh, it's defense, defense, defense. My score prediction was 31-27. I still thought we were going to give up points. I didn't think it was going to be a 20-17 to game. The fourth quarter is where it kind of went all bad. Besides that, Nick, I think the defense performed pretty well, and it looks like it. It looked like the exact same defense, in up until the fourth quarter. Realistically, yeah, and I'm, and that's expected. I mean, Tulane's fighting for their lives. They're at home. They had some momentum. They made their defense made some stops. Give them credit. Eventually, their offense is going to come to life. I mean, let's just be real. This is the number seventeen team in the nation for a reason, but. 
without the starters being in there and, and especially not having Jeremiah John Baptiste, I think that's the most important thing. That's the leader of your defense right there in the middle. And I saw on multiple occasions where it just felt like UCF was lacking in a speed department, getting to the boundary yeah. at times. And they were getting beat on some long plays down the sideline, especially. I think that's where Tulane had most of their success, especially early on a little bit when they had those break plays. So his absence was key, but again, they did enough. They made enough plays. We talked about the turnovers they were able to do, which proved pivotal. Uh, they got hosed by officiating on multiple occasions. And, and honestly, this was on both sides. I thought there were some weak yeah. calls, but you remember the one drive. I mean, there's two, we got two pass interference penalties. One, we could give you a maybe. The other one, absolutely not. And then a roughing the kicker, which is probably more undisciplined than a bad call than anything from a UCF player standpoint. But so they got a little unlucky there, but they battled. They did enough. Uh, we've seen this defense rise to the occasion in other games specifically the Cincinnati game where I thought they dominated that one uh, for, mo- for large portions there. And the SMU game, other games as well, they've had their day. And I think that's the thing about UCF that makes them really dangerous right now is either side of the ball can win you the game. It's not like one side's carrying their weight. They are playing complimentary football for the most part. And you saw that today, today against a quality opponent without a lot of your starters out there. Yeah, and before we keep talking about the defense, you brought it up. The officiating was, it, there's no question, this is probably the worst officiating game that we've played in all year, and I don't think that's a hesitation on both sides. Uh, so, I like, it sucks. If I'm a Tulane fan, I'm upset because there were some very bad calls. I mean, the uh, offensive lineman, too many men down the field, that was an obvious call. Thank God it got picked up. It was a huge play, but... They picked the flag up and said no foul. So you throw the flag, you pick it up. And then on other ones, like you said, the pass interference, that was absolutely absurd. I mean, that was good defense by Brandon Adams. Again, he was looking back at the ball. I don't know what else you're supposed to do there. Um, It just felt like, Nick, the officials were trying to take over the game. They were trying to do way too much with it. They were trying, like, the the replays were taking forever. Like, it was absolutely absurd. But that hurts teams, like... I'm not going to say it, you know, I don't remember the exact moments that these were happening and who had the momentum, but it it kills whoever has the momentum. So yeah, it could have helped UCF in those situations, but I'm sure it hurt us also if we're driving the ball, they have to stop the clock and, you know, look at a play for 10 minutes. I think that's absolutely absurd. And it, yeah, that's it's the like one the, thing the, that, it's ridiculous. Yeah, the, the screen, the screen was the one that I... I think they went to commercial, they came back, and I kind of like dozed off a little bit, did something else, and I looked up and I'm like, we're still reviewing this screen. What what are we reviewing? And then there was the other one. It was one the where easiest Plumlee, incomplete pass. It was the easiest incomplete pass yes. you could notice. Like, Yeah, that I, I, was just, like, I don't know what's taking so long. The other one, which by the way, side note here, I didn't get to it when I was talking about Plumley. Slide, slide, slide. Okay? You got concussed. Two weeks ago, you would have never known it by the no fear. I appreciate the no fear attitude, but I saw on multiple occasions, slide, do something else, but go and take a bunch of hits right to the head or right to the shoulder, all those other things. There's just, there's no need for it. Right. And no, they didn't do it or he didn't do it rather. But that one play that I'm speaking to here with the officiating is when he got hit by two guys and the ball comes out 
and we're looking at it from all these angles. All I needed to see was the one angle to tell you that his knee was down. Okay. Yeah. And we got announced crews telling me we don't have a conclusive angle, which was garbage. I could see it right there. I, I don't understand why that one took longer, but yes, all in all, both sides officiating was, was a mess today. Yeah. On that, uh, one where it was the quote unquote fumble, but it wasn't, uh, I thought he was concussed. He came up, the ball was not with him anymore. And he like grabbed his helmet. I'm like, Oh great. He's concussed again. I'm like, that's cause yeah, he was taking some hits and I mean, we're going to need him. So he can't like, he definitely needs to learn. And he did that in the second half. I mean, I think he was a little bit smarter, but he's just so much faster than everybody else. Get to the outside. Like you can do it, but yeah, moving on from officiating because I could spend hours talking about how I know you they could. Were. Uh, <laughs> garbage. Um, funny story. While this was happening, uh, I don't even. I'll tell this now because you know we won and I feel okay about it. While the officiating crew was happening, and we were kind of the almost end or end of first half play calling, and those situations were making me a little upset. So I started banging my coffee table very loudly. I guess. Because our downstairs neighbor knocked on my door and said, you're being a little loud. And I'm like, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, that was when the officiating thing was happening. I'm like, I am so done with these officials. So I guess I was being too loud. But anyhow, um, defense. You had the three starters out. I want to give a shout out to Cameron Moore. Cam Moore uh, played outstanding. Like, I, I, it doesn't show up on the stat sheet, but he was in the middle of a lot of plays. He was the reason for the fumble in the first quarter. Uh, he blew that play up, but Nick, I'm going to be honest. Tajay Spears, like he Spears looks like the best back in the American. I know you have Keaton Mitchell. He clearly was dealing with some problem today. As soon as he got to the outside on those two, he was pretty much gone. Like, I mean, credit to, I think, Corey Thornton. He got him on the the foot on the one. That was a saving touchdown. Um, but I don't know what he was dealing with. They used him a lot, especially in the passing game. But credit UCF's defense. I mean, they stopped the other rushers for the most part. And they kind of stopped outside runs after those two big runs, which was crucial in the game because then Tulane kind of was forced to throw the ball because they had nothing going with the run. Yeah, I mean, he only actually got nine touches when you go back and look at it, Spears did. But yeah. uh, hundred almost 140 yards, I think, with those nine touches. I mean, he's very, very electric. But I'm kind of surprised that Tulane didn't go to him more a little bit. And I know they were behind and they had to keep throwing, throwing, throwing. Uh, we saw Pratt do that. But, you know, I thought receiving-wise, Tulane didn't have the best day. We saw some drops, some really critical, some really crucial drops from guys who, again, we regard as some of the better receivers in, in this conference, right, especially uh, Deuce Watts. I mean, he had a drop, I think, in there. Um, it wasn't a great day for them, and I, I didn't think they took advantage of having UCF having uh, a three guys out. Yeah, I will say um, I'm glad I didn't have McDougal on our team today. I mean, feel sorry for him, but uh, yeah, yeah McDougal uh, McDougal ended with a nice zero for zero in this one. I wonder how many targets he had. He had to at least have four. I mean, he dropped every ball that came his way. <laughs> he dropped the touchdown, which I give credit because I think we had a hand in his face. Like we almost tipped it, but he dropped every ball that he caught. Yeah, not too great. 
Um, Pratt, though, I mean, I give credit to him. He really stood in there. Again, there was pressure late in the game, and he kind of made some really good throws. Receivers have to help him out a little bit because, um, yeah, they 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 struggled, uh, to be completely fair. They really struggled um, catching balls really all day. So we get a big uh, we get a big win against Tulane, Nick. Obviously, we're going to be moving up in the rankings. Uh, as of right now, it's ten thirty six. So we've got Texas and TCU. It's kind of looking like TCU is going to win this game. So you've got a couple people in the in like nineteen to fifteen that have lost. You have Tulane that lost. UCF's twenty two. Where do you see us moving up? I know this is going to be coming out on Monday, so we don't know the CFP rankings as of this point. The AP will be out in an hour or two, uh, or it'll already be out by the time this episode comes out. I say UCF gets at least to 19. No? Like, they've got to move up at least to 19. Well, they might be able to move up a little bit more. They yeah. might be able to because, we're and again, like you said, we're, we don't have the benefit of having this game being over with, but – Right now, as we're recording, Wake has a one-point lead on North Carolina, who is 15 right now. Now, do I think UCF's going to move up enough to jump North Carolina? No, I don't. They're going to have the same record. North Carolina is the ACC team. They've probably been the more impressive team this year, I'd say, maybe. Um, so they're going to stay ahead there. Tulane's obviously going to drop back. In all likelihood, Texas is going to drop back. So you look at the rest of it. Are they going to jump uh, a Notre Dame? That's kind of the – I can't see it. I'm going to be honest with you. I can't see it. I know that Notre Dame wasn't that impressive today against Navy, but they had the win against Clemson. Dominant win against Syracuse, who now is about to have lost four in a row. But it's the brand. It's Notre Dame. So – I don't know. The more I'm talking about it right now, actually, I don't know how many spots they're going to move up. I think maybe they'll move up two for all I know. I don't know. They didn't, there wasn't a lot of upsets today like there was last week, really. And you have some teams in front of them that were also inactive. So, you know, yeah. they're going to stay put. Um, hell, I wouldn't put it past. I mean, Florida State's one spot behind UCF, and Florida State right now is up like, like five touchdowns against Syracuse. Um, yeah. So is it going to surprise anybody if, if they jump uh, UCF? No. no. Right? Uh, Washington right now is in a dogfight with Oregon. They're 25. If they beat Oregon, guess what? They're climbing into the top 20. So, yeah. hell, I mean, hell, they might not move at all. They might not move at all. <laughs> well, they'll definitely move. I mean, you beat the number spot, 17 maybe. team in the country. They can but hop Illinois. I think it's, they'll hop Illinois. Well, this is where the bias might come. I mean, like – now, Nick, I, first of all, let's talk about how, just how impressive of a win it is in the grand scheme of the program. I think there's only been a couple times, or th- this is the third season where UCF has beat two top 25 uh, ranked teams. The other was 2017 and 2013. This is the third time they've done that. Now, for years, right, people have been saying strength of schedule, UCF strength of schedule is poor, they don't play anybody. But I think, Nick, this is the perfect example of everything we've been saying in the American. Is Amer- The American's gotten a little bit more respect. You had a Tulane team who, if you look at their strength of schedule, I mean, okay, they beat Kansas State. They lost to Southern Miss. I mean, so how were they number 17, right? You had Cincinnati ranked. So the American's gotten their respect. 
UCF is now atop of that conference, and you could see there were teams that are probably ahead of UCF that UCF would give serious problems and would most likely win a lot of games against these top 25 teams. What does it just say about the program and honestly what it says about the American and how it has been looked at for years as being not as strong when everybody really knows it is a strong conference and UCF is proving that right now? Yeah, I think it says a lot at this point in the season for UCF to have been, even coming into this game, to have been a two-loss team and to actually be 22. Like, if this occurred four years ago and they were a two-loss team, there's no way they'd be ranked. There there is no way they would be ranked. But here they are now. We've talked about that brand, obviously the Big 12 thing coming up. But, yeah, I think it's a big thing. I think of all the teams in the American – including Cincinnati, which I'm not diminishing what they did last year because that was incredible. It changed. It yeah. Honestly, I don't know. I mean, the, the performance in the thing, you can argue if it changed the sport or not, if they're ever going to put another team in there again from the group of five. We'll see. But for the moment, it, had, it seemed like it had changed things. So I'm not diminishing that. But UCF has definitely been the most successful American team. And I think their brand has – probably seen the biggest uptick in the past decade or definitely five years, but I'll take it back to an entire decade of being put on the map here and being a, a national brand now, especially as they go into this. So it is a big deal. And I think this is, this is probably UCF's biggest conference win man. probably four years. I mean, think about that. I mean, it probably is probably four years, their yeah. biggest conference win 2018 right here against Tulane. So uh, it, yeah. In some respects, it doesn't feel like it was that big, like it, like the games were years ago. And maybe that's because you do have the two losses on your record. But again, keeping everything in mind, the goals are still on the table. The conference championship is well in reach. Hopefully getting that as, as a home field advantage here, here in Orlando. And then if you win that, and we're getting to that point now where we're getting close – you pro- you might be the group of five bid. I mean, we we just saw Liberty lose to UConn, by the way. So that takes out another I mean, team yeah. in the group of five. It seems like it's UCF, Tulane, or Cincy. I mean, one of those three is most likely going to be the per- the team that gets the bid. But and, and UCF's in the I driver's mean, seat. They just unless they trip up here. And that's the thing, Nick. I mean, we go back a month, I guess like three weeks to a month. And we're sitting here after ECU and saying, listen, everything's ahead of you. You have to win your game. You have to win out. Like you have to win the conference games. The teams that are ahead of you, you're playing. You beat those teams and you're set. And UCF has done just that. Did I think that, or I mean, I was confident in both these games. I think UCF is just, we've said it, they're the best roster in the American. That's not a question. It's just if they play it. And I think they've proven especially against Tulane and Cincy, how good they are. Now, I think the Tulane, I think it doesn't feel as, because it is a huge win. This is the biggest regular season win in the last four years, five years. Um, there's no question. Well, I'd say four years, because the USF 2017 game was probably bigger, but, uh, and maybe the Cincy College game day. But this, I mean, it's your the highest ranked opponent you've, probably you'd be during the regular season. I think it maybe just doesn't feel as big as cause like we've always known Tulane to be average and they've listen, great competitors. They are a tough team. And if we see them in the American, I feel like this game is going to be much tougher 
uh, for both sides. Definitely won't be 38-31. I'll tell you that if they come to the American. But Nick, I'll be honest. Right now, I would be very shocked if we don't get a UCF Cincy uh, championship game. Not that I don't think Tulane could beat Cincy. The way it's just going, I see Cincy winning. And I, like, Tulane doesn't have an easy last two. They they have to play SMU, which we're not. Again, you've said we're not saying SMU is amazing, but they've kind of hit their stride offensively. So I don't know if Tulane wants to get into a an offensive shooting match with you know SMU, and then you have to play Cincy the next week. So you go UCF, uh, SMU, and then Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati's got it a little bit easier with Temple next week, and then they get a week to, you know, it's kind of an easy week with Temple, and then. You got Tulane, so that would be something if UCF gets Cincy twice at home. But I think UCF needs to win their next two. I mean, Navy's no easy out. USF is a piece of cake, but Navy's no easy out. You win next week, you get to host your your conference championship most likely, and that's huge for the program, and they can leave the American winning out. Yeah, I think in a weird way, it's like the Navy game – even though it's at home, feels like it can be more of a trip up than the USF one, which is a rivalry game because yeah. USF's just dead in the water right now. I mean, that, I, yeah, I don't know if you caught much of that game today, but that just dead in the water right now. We know that. And, and when UCF <laughs> plays them there in Tampa, it's going to be, it's likely going to be a near home game for UCF. And there's a lot of UCF fans who are who are running the mouth right now about USF. So you know they're going to travel in full force for that one. So I'll be there. I know you'll be there. You're housing we'll be all, me. We'll all, exactly. I mean, we're we'll, housing y'all. We'll all be there. We'll all, we'll all get to witness it. So uh, we should be good. But Navy next week, you know, 11 a.m. start. Uh, that's a new one for me. An 11 a.m. start. So I can't imagine that the uh, the crowd's going to be too jacked up for that one, right? Uh, no. I mean, again, Navy gave Notre Dame all they could handle in the second half today. UCF needs to take care of business. In all likelihood, they should take care of business. Let's see if they get some guys back in this one as well on defense, which they're going to need. But I agree with all your points on that, and I also agree that I think Tulane is probably due to slip up also. I, I think this this was – to me, this was close to their Super Bowl in a sense, and and they didn't really give themselves a good shot coming out like they did in the first quarter. So I think they're a little shell-shocked right now, and I don't know how well they can rebound against another high-powered offense and then Cincinnati right after that. Yeah, and that's and to be honest, I'd rather see Cincy. I mean, credit where credit is due. Tulane is not an easy out. I know UCF kind of just controlled the game, but uh, I'd rather I see Ben see Bryant Tulane. than Michael Pratt. Hundred um, percent. If you're looking at it just from a quarterback standpoint, hundred percent. And not saying Cincy won't be better. I mean, they've played in the bounce house before, and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but we're kind of just assuming. Listen, you beat Navy, and we'll give you our, our Navy preview next week because they are not a tough. They they're a tough out. I mean, they just brought yeah, they Notre beat Dame this team to the last year. They beat this team they last did. year with the caveat. I mean, you know. It was every team's week one of Mike's got an ex, every team's got an expiration date and it, and it's twelve it's twelve months and that and it ends. I get that, but a lot of players on this team who were a part of that loss. A hundred percent. But it should be interesting. I mean, again, we I we like to always get ahead of ourselves, but I think with this win, you put yourself in the driver's seat. It's looking it's looking clean. It's looking like it's it's gonna be an American championship in Orlando. 
and then you know you got to win it. But listen, the next two weeks are going to be fun. We got to win those two, um, and then we go from there. That's pretty much it, guys. I mean, it, what a game! I mean, penalties have to cut down on those. Um, but besides that, I mean, get your guys healthy, keep playing the way you're playing, and you're on your way to a, a championship and then potential New Year Six. I mean. Credit to Gus Malzahn and his staff. I can't say it enough. I mean, you have two top twenty-five wins on your on your on your schedule. I mean, good for them. And JRP, keep doing what you're doing. Let's just complete a couple more balls. How about that? All right, Nick. Anything to say closing out the biggest dub of the year against number seventeen Tulane? Huge win for this program. Huge fan as a fan of somebody who covers the team like we've been doing here for the last couple seasons. And go Knights and charge on. Charge on indeed, guys. It's going to be an interesting couple weeks. I mean, you got two more weeks of the regular season, and then you're ho- you're hopefully hosting a conference title game, which will be insane in Orlando. Uh, thanks, Nick, as always. And guys, thank you for tuning in. What a big win. It's always great to go over it and talk about it each week. Um, We will be back on Thursday to give you everything Navy. I know, 11 a.m. start time stinks. Uh, So hopefully tailgate starts at like 6 a.m. on Saturday so you can get all your drinks in before you uh, hit the tailgate. But we will go into everything Navy so you guys know who you need to watch out for on Saturday. This has been Charge On presented by Bet Online. We will see you on Thursday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 